peace of mind in troubled times. In the news this week, the the situation in Ukraine is something that is certainly very concerning. It's actually got a lot of people talking who wouldn't otherwise be concerned with the news or following it too closely. It's not simply a, a political manoeuvring thing where politicians are saying things against each other. It's just words. There's 100,000 Russian soldiers already on the border with Ukraine ready to and to cross that border in an invasion or <clears throat> whatever that may result in, we're not sure. Many people are concerned, not just for the political situation, but for the fate of the ordinary people in the Ukraine, for those who will be affected by what the politicians and the leaders do. Sadly, sometimes the the greed, the the hunger for power, the the things that leaders and politicians are more concerned with has such a disproportionate effect on the ordinary people, the everyday people in the street, their citizens. Not just in Ukraine, but since Russia supplies a third of the gas supply that for Eastern Europe, there could be a, a cutoff of, of gas. We just don't know what's going to happen. It's not only going to affect those... <coughs> in Ukraine, but those in Western Europe are concerned about how it's going to affect them as well. And even if it doesn't affect us, we're concerned for how it will affect them. As believers, how should we respond? There are wars and rumours of wars, very much in the news at the moment. How should we respond? In terms of attitude, we ought to have compassion towards those who will be struggling, those who will be affected. Also, we ought to pray that the Lord would restrain the hand of evil, as he has done far more than we often realize. As well, we can approach the problem of wars and rumors of wars from a biblical perspective and and find out what does the Bible say about such situations. And we can put that into practice. Maybe before that, let's just have a little look at the whole situation. We hear about a war that, or a possible war, an invasion that might affect Western Europe, might affect the people in the Ukraine, it might affect us. And we get afraid, we get fearful. But let's just consider that there are many armed conflicts going on around the world already. This is a map of armed conflicts that are existing around the world that have been going on the last 12 months. The dark brown ones are those where there have been more than 10,000 deaths in the last 12 months. The red ones are wars where there's between 1,000 and 10,000 deaths. The orange ones are minor conflicts with up to 1,000. The yellow ones are skirmishes as they define them, with up to 100 deaths in the last 12 months. In Myanmar, there's been over 11,000 deaths in the last year, and already over 1,000 this month. 
In Afghanistan, almost 42,000 last year, although there's not that many at the start of this year. In the Yemen, there were over 26,000 people killed last year and already over 5,000 this month. And in North Africa, the Tigray War, mainly in Ethiopia and Eritrea, there were 19,000 people killed last year. In the Yemen, 25,000, 26,500 people last year, 5,000 this year. In the, in the course of what, since January last year, the same number of people have been killed as live in the Colin neighbourhood. Polglass, Twinbrook, Lagmore, Upper Murray Lane, Glengoland. These areas, if we lost that in one year, what about the year before? Sadly, in the news, if it doesn't affect us, it doesn't seem to be shown. It's not that important. But these things are happening all over the world. We've known in ourselves, we've known the troubles. Thankfully, we've moved on from that, and hopefully we'll continue to have moved on from that. These things are not new. Wars and rumours of wars are not about things that will start to happen in the future. These things are just part of living in this world, sadly. I think I remember somebody calculated that there was a, there was only a very, very short period of time, maybe 100 or 200 years, in the whole course of human history when there hasn't been a war somewhere. We shouldn't be surprised. That's the first thing. We shouldn't be surprised that these things are happening. We live in a fallen world, a sinful world, where there is greed, aggression, striving for power and prestige, where there is just plain evil at times. This is all too common. But there are some things that we can do to respond. And the first thing is that we can be thankful. We should be thankful that by God's grace, we're not suffering more than we, sh- than we do. People often pray to God, why aren't you doing more to stop certain things? But what we don't realize is he's already stopped a heap of other things. If it wasn't for his restraining hand, evil would be let loose far more than it is. And the world would be a far worse place to live in. So let's thank God that he's already at work, that he's already blessed us. Let's seek God. Whatever situation we happen to find ourselves in, these things are there to point us to him. Paul says to those in Athens in Acts chapter 17, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. He has marked out the boundaries of our, of our habitation. 
the boundaries of our lives, the things that press in on us. If we live in a war-torn country, our desperation should drive us to look towards God. If we live in a time of peace, our blessing should drive us towards thanking God. Everything that we experience is there to drive us to seek him and find him. We take God's goodness for granted. So often people don't thank God when things are going well, yet they're so quick to just blame God when things aren't going well. Let's thank him and let's trust him. One of the lessons we can learn from such situations is that we should turn to God for salvation. That's what Jesus teaches when some of the disciples told him about how Pilate killed some people. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Whether it's at the hand of an evil ruler, Pilate was at these things before and Jesus was put to death through him, or whether it's a natural disaster, Jesus tackles these two different scenarios. He doesn't say that these things happen to people because they're worse people. No, that is a faulty way of, of looking at things. It's not because of their sins or the sins of their forefathers these things happen so often to, to people who are just caught up. The innocent citizens find themselves in a war or a conflict because leaders have led them into it. Or we suffer natural disasters because we're living in a fallen world. But the lesson Jesus teaches from both of those is that unless we repent, we too will all perish. Wars, disasters, these things teach us that death is a reality and then comes a judgment. And we need to be on the right side of God or else we will perish. And we praise God for the gospel that he sent his one and only son so that all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. These things are sent to us to warn us. Jesus records this in Luke's gospel to warn us. When it comes to facing life, facing death, there is sometimes an unhealthy avoidance of anything to do with death. We don't naturally like talking about death. But just like somebody who might get a bill in that they don't like, don't even open it, put it in the drawer. When you get a, a red letter reminder, final reminder, put it in the drawer. Let's not talk about it. Let's not even think about it. Maybe it'll go away. While we don't enjoy talking about death, we need to have a healthy respect for it. We need to deal with it.
Well, death is a loss, especially for those who are bereaved and left behind. For those who have trusted in Jesus, death is a gain because we go to be with him. I was talking to an old man yesterday, a former missionary. He was 89. It was his birthday. And, and he said that each morning he gets up and he prays, Lord, I thank you for today. You know that I long that today will be the day that I die and go be with you. Lord, but your will be done. If today is not my day and you want me to stick around, then that's fine. Just show me what you've got for me to do and I'll do it. Each day he prays that he will go to be with the Lord, which is a far better thing. He's aware of his age, his health problems, his suffering and pain. He misses his wife who died about 20 years ago. And being without people able to visit very often is, is very difficult during this pandemic. But he doesn't see death as a negative thing. He longs to go to be with the Lord, to go into the presence of Jesus. When the Apostle Paul had grown old and was possibly in that same situation, he wrote, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ, as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honour to Christ, whether I live or die. For me... Living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I don't really know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be a far better thing for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. For Paul, death would have been better for him. But to continue to live and minister would be better for those who he worked amongst. And he didn't mind. For believers, each of us, we should not be afraid of death. We should have on the one hand a, a desire to go and be with the Lord, while on the other hand a desire to still be around and to, to be with others. No one fears the process of dying. That can be painful. But what lies on the other side, we do not fear that if we have trusted in Christ. And so we should not fear wars or rumours of wars in the sense that many people fear them. Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 6, And you will hear wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains, with more to come. Wars do not mean that the end of the world is about to happen. It's not that the last days, the second coming is about to to happen we shouldn't panic wars have been happening right back in the time of King David and the Israelites kings went out to war as a means of boosting the economy for their people plunder another people and bring back the, the loot 
that was a standard economic practice back then, sadly. And it's continued with bigger and bigger wars. There have been other reasons for wars as well. But these are part and parcel of what life is in this world. We shouldn't panic, but we should be prepared. We shouldn't minimize the problem, but we shouldn't let it throw our world upside down. We should not be shaken if we see natural disasters, earthquakes, famines, or wars. Instead, we should persevere, and we shouldn't even fear tribulation if that comes our way as well. At some point, as we get nearer to the end of the last days, possibly in some parts of the world more than others, there will be tribulation for believers. Some people of certain theological persuasions are saying tribulation and the end times are just imminent. I remember a friend saying to me a few years ago, I don't think we're going to make it to Christmas. We ought to not see everything as being just the end of the world is upon us. But certain things will happen that will eventually lead to that. And we need to be prepared while we're not in that situation at the minute. The tribulation that Jesus talks of in Matthew 24. It might be just around the corner or it might be a long way off. But we need to be aware of it. He says, then you will be arrested, persecuted and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you're my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. False prophets are rampant. Whether spreading false news on the internet or preaching a false gospel which deceives people. It can be a prosperity gospel. It can be a gospel of works instead of by grace through faith. We should be on our guard against those who who spread false messages, false truths, especially when they relate to the way of salvation. And at the very end of this age, as Jesus tells us, sin will be rampant everywhere and love will have drained from the world. Many will, will grow cold. That could mean that the world becomes a harder place to live in. Or it could mean that believers are fewer. People's love for the Lord grows cold. In any case, we must endure. We should persevere, knowing that those who persevere to the end will be saved. Whether what Jesus says about the gospel being preached to all nations will still continue right up to the end or even increase towards the end, we're not sure. But we know that the gospel needs to go to all nations before the end will come. 
And at the minute, there are many nations, many tribes, many people groups who still haven't got God's word in their own heart language. So it seems still a long way off. And yet, as we think about all these things, and as we're not sure how far are we from the end times, how can this all work out? We know that God works together all things for good. Romans 8.28 We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We might not have the answers but we know the one who does have the answers. Our Heavenly Father has the answers. We can trust that he knows why, that he knows how these things are working together. The fact that we can't see a good reason for them says more about our ability to see than it does about God having a reason. He has his reasons. He's working all things together for good. If we don't understand or see how, let's still trust that he does and he's working all these things for good. But we should not fear. We should trust in God as our protector, as our shepherd. If we do, we will call on the Lord for help to be with us and he will lead us through. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. In the same way that the shepherd their rod and their staff would be there to protect their sheep. So God is there to protect and comfort us. He is our good shepherd. He leads and guides us. When we follow him, we will know his close protection over us. And even if we should suffer to the point of going to be with the Lord... He will be with us through all that we go through. We will know his help at all times. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. We might think we can't face going through that. The Lord will be with us, but we can't cope. He says to us, no trial has overtaken you that is not faced by others. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tried beyond what you are able to bear. But with the trial, you will also, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to endure it. He gives us his spirit. He gives us his presence. He gives us his word to enable us, to comfort us, to strengthen us. We can cope with all things through Christ Jesus. When Jesus was in the boat, the storm rose and the disciples were very afraid. The waves broke and they were saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. But Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. And then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves and suddenly there was a great calm. Jesus is with us if we have trusted in him. 
why should we be afraid when there's a storm around us? The question Jesus asks is, why are you afraid? It's almost as if he's saying, I'm here with you. You have no reason to be afraid. Yes, we have to work through the situations that we're in. But what's the worst that can happen? I was talking to a friend today, or no, one day earlier this week. And he was saying, what's the worst that can happen? That you go to be with the Lord? When we've trusted in Jesus, even the worst that can happen to us can end up being a blessing, a marvelous blessing. And even, even if we suffer, even if we struggle in various ways until we get to be with the Lord, he is there with us through all of it. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even in the midst of my enemies, David writes this in the Lord's, my shepherd, Psalm 23. If you're walking through a dark valley at the moment, remember the Lord says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God's word, we read those, that testimony of David, that even though he goes through the most difficult times, the Lord is with him. And that can be our testimony too, that even though we walk through the darkest of times, even the, the times that threaten death on us, or even going through a dying experience ourselves, we know that the Lord is with us. You're with me. The Lord's comfort is with us in whatever situation we face. If we're going through a dark valley at the moment, don't fear. We can face it squarely on. We can face it head on, but we need not face it with fear. The Lord is with you. He is there to comfort you. His presence is there with you by his spirit in whatever situation you're going through. You can cope in his strength. If you've ever seen a child lost in a crowd, suddenly they've let go of their parent's hand and they, they then realize that they're lost. And fear overcomes them. Tears start coming down through their eyes. And yet they hear, after a while of looking around, where's their mum or dad? They hear those, that reassuring voice, it's okay, I'm here. And their parent takes their hand and peace and reassurance just smothers them again. They're safe again. That's what Psalm 23 is telling us we are safe God is with us no matter what situation we are in if we've trusted in him if we have turned back to him we can say 
Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. As we look forward to when we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That should be our testimony. And as we close, we can remember that we can rejoice in the Lord at all times. Paul says in Philippians 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. And he wasn't writing to people who were well off, who were living the high life. Everything was going fine with them. He was writing to people who would have been suffering various different problems, situations in life that were not easy. And nevertheless, he says, regardless of what situation and difficulty you're going through, always be full of joy in the Lord. That's a real challenge to us, I believe. He says it again, rejoice and let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. There's going to be an end. He is coming. And there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more sin. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Do you know, worry is what we do when we can do nothing else ourselves. When you can do something, you get up and you do it. But when you, when something is outside of your control, when you're not able to fix things or do something, but you feel powerless. And that's when you start to worry. But instead of worrying, we should ask God, we should pray to God and leave things in his control because nothing is outside of his control. Sometimes we have to think a lot about things. But worry is where we are powerless, where we see no help coming from anywhere. We're not able to help. Nobody's able to help. Worry is a sign that we are not trusting in God. So don't worry. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Thanking God in the midst of our prayers transforms our mindset when we just bring a list of things to God a shopping list of a wish list of things we want him to do we are still focused on us and our needs and our wants but when we thank him for what he has done suddenly our focus shifts onto him we thank him we count our blessings and that changes our whole outlook we suddenly see that our concerns were very narrow we were focused on ourselves but when we lift our minds and think of God and thank him we see things from a different perspective still things need to change but we see things from a different perspective then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus if we're looking at a situation and worrying, being fearful, we won't have the peace that is promised us. 
But if we're looking at a situation and then turning to God and thanking him for how powerful and blessed he is, how gracious he has been to us in the past, and trusting that he can and will in his time resolve all these things, we don't end up worrying any longer, but we tend to have peace of mind that he gives us in Christ Jesus. So let's rejoice in the Lord always. Let's live godly lives. Let's not worry, but let's pray and praise and thank God. Let's pray for those who are in war-torn parts of the world, in Yemen, in Ethiopia, Eritrea, in Afghanistan still, and for what might happen near Ukraine. Let's pray for people. But most of all, let's pray that people will be saved, that these things will drive them to place their faith in God, to, to seek out the salvation that is there in Christ Jesus. Let's do what we can. Let's give towards charities that are providing aid. And let's pray for people. But most of all, let's trust that God has all things in his hands. Let's focus on eternity. And let's focus on the gospel that saves far more people in the long run than anything we can do in the short term. Let's keep our focus on God. Let's trust in Christ. And let's, let's not worry, but let's pray and trust. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, which encourages and inspires us. We thank you for the gospel, which reconciles us, Lord, and gives us hope. Lord, we thank you for your spirit and your presence which comforts us and gives us the peace of mind that, that we need. Lord, help us to trust in all that you have given to us. Help us to trust in you. Help us to be realistic, but not to worry. Lord, help us to be people of faith and help us to have joy even in difficult situations. When others are worrying and being concerned, Lord, help us to have a peace that transcends all of that because we know a God who transcends all of that, a God who is merciful and loves us, a God who has sent his Son on the cross to die for our sins that we might be spared, that we would not perish but have eternal life. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.